Welcome to the Church's Testimony Podcast. This show is about giving the people of the church an opportunity to share about the things that God has done in their lives. We believe that through the sharing of testimony, God is glorified and the church is uplifted. Our hope is that this will unite and encourage the body of Christ around the world. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back to the Church's Testimony Podcast. Uh, We're here today with Natasha Hebert. Hello. Natasha Hebert is a good friend of ours from uh, our church in Abbotsford. Um, And we've asked her to come on and share what she has seen and heard. Um, So yeah, Natasha, why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are, maybe how long you've been a Christian for and kind of where you're at in life right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, first off, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Literally any time. Um, <laughs> once a year, though. Just once. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm Natasha. I am 26. I have been following Jesus for seven years now. Um, so I, uh, I met the Lord when I was 19. Uh, right now in life, I am studying at Summit Pacific Bible College in the counseling program. Um, and after that, I hope to do my master's and become a registered clinical counselor. Well, ambitious goals. Yeah. That's good. Good yep. for you. I, I just recently switched out of counseling <laughs> into a pastoral theology program. So it's, you know, kudos to you for being able to finish that one. It just wasn't <laughs> for me. Um, but I love the counseling program. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what was, um, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so it's kind of a, a wild ride. Um, I was born in Powell River, which is on the coast of BC, um, and I lived on an oyster farm in a place called Theodosia. That is very unique. It is, yeah. So you could only ever get there by boat, and it didn't have electricity or anything. It was a really weird place, Um, and I lived there for two years with my parents and my older sister. Um, I ended up leaving there when I was two with my mom and my sister, because my dad was really abusive, and my mom Hmm. was finally able to get out of the situation. And from there, we moved to Chilliwack and lived with her parents, um, who kind of safeguarded us for a little while. Um, Yeah, and then I lived in Chilliwack for all my life. Um, Things were pretty uneventful. We were just really poor, and I had some friends and just trucked along in the early 2000s, living your best life. And Mm -hmm. um, eventually, my mom did end up getting quite sick, and she passed away when I was 13. Mm. Um, And then I moved back in with my grandparents after that, um, and just lived a very broken but relatively normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my family is, well, all my family is non-Christian. Most of them are atheists, uh-huh. um, and I have an aunt who is Baha'i. So most of my influences were that um, Christianity is bad and for people who are stupid, um, and most of our time was spent just bashing people who believed in the Bible. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what my, my upbringing looked like. It was yeah. definitely um, very far from God and very broken. Yeah. What does um, your what is your journey coming out of that family and into the family that you've built for yourself now mm. look like? How did that all happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm married now, of course. Um, and so being transplanted into, um, my husband's family who is incredible and loves Jesus so much. And, um, they have their quirks, but they are 
overall really, really healthy. And um, it's been a very interesting uh, process going into that. Um, it's been a bit of a culture shock at times for sure. Um, and at times it's really beautiful and, um, has really redeemed what it looks like to be part of a family. But at times it's also really sad because it reminds me of the things that I never got to have. Hmm. Um, even just when they're like sharing stories of when they were little, I'm like, Oh, I, I don't have that. (laughs) Um, but it's really encouraged me because I always worried one day, like I am going to have a family of my own and I don't really know what that's Hmm. supposed to look like. Um, and so getting to kind of be a part of their family has really shown me, um, what, what it's supposed to look like and how it, how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, um, and even beyond that, like being a part of like the family of God and being a part of healthy friendships has really restored relationships to me. So many of them have like been really unhealthy throughout my life. So Mm. getting to be, um, in like really healthy God centered friendships has also really helped me. Oh, that's so cool. Where, um, where are most of those friendships for you? Is it church, school, uh, like different ministries or activities, work? Mm. Yeah, I would say probably all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, one specifically, of course, being you, Cole. But um, yeah, especially I think in church has been um, the most like heavenly looking relationships. Um because I get to interact with so many people who are in very different stages of life than me. Um, A lot of people who are older than me, younger than me, um, live very different lives, have very different views, but we also get to serve alongside each other and get to know each other in a unique way, pray for each other. Um, Yeah, and I think that's been the area where I've made the most, um, like, long-term friends. Hmm. That's so cool. How is that? Um, how has the change in kind of secular friendships to now very deep Christian friendships affected how you view, um, first yourself and then maybe how you view Jesus? Yeah, I think having Christ-centered relationships and friendships has really altered the way that I see myself as valuable. Hmm. Um, of course they're not perfect, yet and I still struggle with insecurity of course like everyone does but um I know in my friendships um that were non-christian before I came to know the lord um they were very surface level I didn't really ever talk about what was really going on or how I really felt Hmm. um and I got hurt a lot and people abandoned me a lot um probably not intentionally but just you know life you go your separate ways and Um, so I didn't really ever feel like I had people I could count on or, or Mm. talk to. Um, but when I came to know the Lord, I immediately got connected into a small group. Um, and you're forced to share there. Um, and I had never experienced something like that before. Mm. Um, and from there I've built friendships that I still have. Um, and people that I've, have gotten to see me grow from the very beginning. Um, and even beyond that, like to, to newer friendships today where we actually just like pray for each other. And we know that if there's ever something that we're walking through that we can't do alone, we mm. have people that we can depend on. And it's not ever a feeling like a burden or anything like that. There's, there's people who are actually rooting for you. Um, and you might not always like spend time together or, or, you know, go do fun things together. Like you might with other kinds of friendships, but you know that you're always there for one another. And yeah, it's a really really unique kind of relationship. Yeah. 
it's a big contrast from what you grew up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it definitely models, um, models the relationship that we have with the Lord as well. One mm-hmm. that we can always depend on. And yeah, I definitely have come to know him better through my friendships with people. Hmm. That's very cool. I'm, I'm more of an introvert and learn a lot about the Lord just through independent study and reflection, mm-hmm. um, but also a lot through friends. Um, but I don't see in myself this like emotional, um, like depth that you have when you start talking about your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to see and hear like with just audio. Um, so I wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, how, how, how do these friendships affect your faith? How do they change kind of your perspective on Christianity and the Lord? Hmm. I think these friendships remind me that, um, that Christianity and the Lord has made us for community. Um, when I first came to know Jesus, it was a very isolated event. Hmm. Um, I like, I came to know that Jesus was real by reading a book and I started going to church on my own and, um, slowly I like developed a relationship and with the Lord and started to learn what that was like. And I slowly got transplanted into a community of believers. Um, but like before that it was very individual and, Um, I thought a lot about my individual relationship with the Lord and, um, I think getting to be a part of a community and friendships really reminded me, um, and continues to remind me that my relationship with God is not a me and him thing. It's a Mm. us and him thing. Um, and we all worship the same God. And so when we're together and we are worshiping God together, it's like, it's the most beautiful thing. And you're just losing out so much if you're doing it alone. Um, and having friendships where, um, where people spur you on closer to Jesus is so valuable. And if I hadn't made the, made the conscious decision and continue to plug into those friends, um, I know it would be a lot worse for wear (laughs) than I am Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. You said, uh, continue to plug into your friends. Um, what does that, that look like in your life, having to actually like work for your friendships now, as opposed to maybe secular friends that you had where there wasn't a lot of effort and there was often abandonment? Uh, perhaps that was just people weren't willing to plug in to their friendships in your own language. Mm-hmm. Um, how does plugging into your friends look like for you? I think for me it has to do a lot with hope mm. um, because I still, of course, experience that. What I did with secular friends, I think people just... I'm sure I do it too, but we, we forget to check in on people and we forget that, um, not everybody's being cared for all the time. Hmm. Um, and so for myself, I know I can get really discouraged really easily and think, oh, well I'm alone and nobody really cares about me. And, um, Hmm. all those kinds of things. I, I tend to feel slighted very easily. I'm really sensitive. And so having to plug in means for me that I, assume the best of people, assume that they are doing the very best that they can. And I don't give up on them in the way that I normally would. Hmm. Um, I, I try my best to, um, to just continue to reach out to them and, and build the relationship that I want to have with them. Um, rather than saying, Oh, well they, 
they aren't making the effort to be friends with me as much as I want them to. So peace, I'm going to go find other people. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. There's a bit of a fidelity to your friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, does that play over into your relationship with Christ as well? What do you mean? Um, does that, that same effort that you have to put into your friendships, um, you say these friendships now reflect Christ a lot more than, Mm. um, previous ones. Do you think the way that you treat your friends now is also very similar to the way that you treat Christ and have to put yourself in situations where he is there, uh, and really show up for them or for him? Yeah, I suppose so. I've never really made that connection before, but yeah, of course we have to be intentional with our relationship with God too. I think that when, like I, like you had mentioned that you're very introverted. I also am. So I think to me, having a, a relationship with the Lord comes a lot more naturally. Hmm. Um, cause he's also everywhere all the time. I don't have to like set up meetings. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You do have to be very intentional with, uh, with friends and, and with Christ as well. So yeah, I think so. Hmm. Um, and so kind of along the same lines, I know a little bit about what you're doing right now and where you're at, but what's, um, what kind of role are you feeling in the church and how do these passions play out through that role? Mm. Yeah, I would say in the church right now, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to serving. Um, I, I love ministry and I love being a part of the church and I, I am the kind of person that wants to fill every need, but Mm. I know that I'm limited. So I try to choose selectively, Mm. (laughs) but if it were up to me, I would be on every team all the time, but I can't. Um, But yeah, so I, right now my main role, um, I am interning for my church alongside you, Cole. Um, And so my role is um, in care ministries. So I get to oversee the care ministries that we have um, and also get to um, care for people when they are in difficult circumstances where whether it's like requesting prayer for anything or um, they've just gone into the hospital or just come home or got into an accident or some sort of crisis comes up and I um, try my best to connect with them and um, see if there's any practical needs that we can fill. And then also training up um, leaders who pastor people. Um, so we've got like a senior call team, for example. Um, so I try and meet with and equip the leaders that are um, on the ground caring for people hmm. um, as well. Wow. Um, and further beyond that, I also serve in our senior high youth, um, which I just love. They're so amazing. Um, and I love to do kids as well. So I work in the preschool area, um, and we've got a cafe that I like to be part of. Um, so you are in every ministry. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) But because I want to, not because I have to. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's, what's one thing you feel you're able to give, uh, the kids in your, under your care in the youth ministry? Um, something that you didn't have growing Mm. up. I think just a friend, like somebody who's actually wow. looking out for you. Um, I know so many youth that come to our youth group um, are in a similar place in life to me. Uh, when I was their age, they don't really have parents that are really looking out for them or have a great relationship with them. And a lot of their friends are um, 
you know, not really looking out for them either. So I think being able to come to a place where they actually just feel loved and somebody actually knows their name and is asking them how they're doing and um, they get to connect with regularly. That's, mm. that's what I hope to provide is just somebody who listens to them and somebody who cares for them. Cause I'm really not the kind of person that is great at having fun with them. Like okay. I'm not the, not the person to be in the middle of every game, but, mm-hmm. um, I love to just get to chat with them and, um, just provide a, provide a listening ear. Hmm. Sounds oddly familiar to a, a great man that we all know by the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm, That's very cool to hear. Just your heart behind youth ministry and and giving friends to people who don't necessarily have anybody looking out for them. Um, how, How do these views that you hold tie into... Um, your work because I know that you work outside of the church as well and in just a regular uh, worldly setting um, how does that affect the relationships you have with coworkers and even customers that come in there mm. yeah I try my best similar to what I do in youth ministry I try my best to show um, my coworkers and the non-christians around me the love of God because that was one huge thing that turned me away from Christianity when I was growing up. And one of the things that my family and I used to bash <laughs> Christians for yeah. um, is because Christians always seem to be really hateful people. Hmm. Um, they would, um, yeah, they would just judge people and be really awful to others. Um, and I, I hated that, even though I was that <laughs> for Christians. But yeah. Um, yeah, so one of my main burdens that I feel is to show people the love of God because that was such a transformative thing when I came to know him was, um, the fact that God actually is love. He, um, he's more loving than we can possibly understand. And I think that's a huge gap that people don't see. And so my hope is, um, of course to preach the gospel. Um, but especially just to change people's view of what Christianity is and who Christians are. Mm -hmm. Um, so that at the very least they can think, Oh, I know some Christians. They're actually really awesome people. They really care about me. They really care about others. They love the community. Okay. I have a positive view of them. Maybe I'll listen to what they say. Hmm. Um, yeah. So that's the burden that I feel to just try and show God's love wherever I am. And Hmm. I do it very imperfectly, but I try my best. (laughs) It's good to acknowledge imperfection, but yeah, I think you do do it very well. Um, when did that all change for you? Like at what point in your life did you go from judging Christians to being a non-judgmental Christian? Yeah, it was a, it was a slow process. I, um, of course it was a very radical transformation when I met Jesus for the first time. Um, and like I said, that was through reading a book. Um, it was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, I had been given to it it, or given the book by, um, a guy I was seeing actually. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I went and read the book on my couch thinking that I was going to be able to read everything and prove everybody wrong. And (laughs) at the end of it say, yep, Christianity's still stupid. (laughs) Ha ha. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, but then I went through the whole book and, at the very end of it, I realized that I had absolutely no arguments left and that everything wow. that I had ever thought 
about Christianity was wrong and that the only logical conclusion was Jesus. But of course, that was a very intellectual process. Like that didn't really have anything to do with, wow, I just met God face to face and he loves me. And, you know, Mm. so it was a very like, oh, I know he's real. Okay, so what do I do now? Mm. Um, And so I started doing the things that I thought Christians should do. So I went to church and um, I started to kind of grow from there. And it wasn't until I... um, until I got baptized actually about a month and a half later or so. Yeah. Um, as soon as I came up out of the water, I actually physically felt different. Mm. Um, I felt like I had so much more peace and I just felt like gentler. Like I had been, oh. I didn't realize that I was holding on to so much anger, but I was. Um, and so by the time I, I came up and I started to live my life again, I was like, wow, I'm actually like happy. Hmm. I actually feel joy. I actually like care about the people around me in a, in a really unique way. Um, and as I continued to plug into my relationship with the Lord and, uh, read my Bible and build a relationship with him, um, I started to realize that I had such a deep love for people, um, which was so opposite. Like my, when I was a teenager, my catchphrase was that I hated people because (laughs) I was so annoyed by people all the time. Um, so really the change had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the Lord and the Holy spirit. Um, really altering my heart. Um, so yeah, it was just getting to be with him and he, he started to get, show me his heart for other people and, and gave that to me. Hmm. What a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, how are, how are things with your family? Like with, well, I guess your siblings and aunts, grandparents, if they're still around, mm-hmm. um, how has that all shifted now, uh, with your change of heart yeah I think it's it's still a tough situation for sure um kind of how Jesus couldn't preach in his own hometown I feel like my family relationships are still a Mm. challenge um I still of course struggle to like forgive some of the things that happened Mm -hmm. um but of course that's something I'm constantly working on um and the Lord is still working on giving me the heart of love for, for them all the time. Yeah. But I think they have seen a change in me and they've mentioned that too, that they um, can tell that I'm doing well. Cause at mm. first when I became a Christian, they, um, they were really displeased and they thought I had been brainwashed and um, indoctrinated and that I was, you know, going down all the wrong paths. And especially when I quit the career path I was on to go work in a church, they were, they were really concerned for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it was just the consistency of seeing um, how I had developed into a kinder person and a more loving person. And um, even the, the relationships around me, they, they saw that they were healthier. And um, when they got to meet my now husband, Ethan, and, um, and especially his family, they've become really close with as well. Wow. And they see the difference in our lives. Um, and they see how... Um, how genuinely joyful, hopeful, and loving his family is, and Ethan and Mm. I are as a result. Um, Like they're seeing the effects of what happens when you meet Jesus. Um, And they may not recognize that it's because of that yet, but I think they're starting to. Um, Yeah. So the relationships, of course, are still strained as they maybe always will be, but um, I think we've done our best to reconcile as much as we can. And um yeah, the Lord is still working. Hmm. That's very cool to hear. Okay. Why don't we take take a break? We'll go into a little bit of an intermission. Um, we'll be right back with some more questions in the story. Mm-hmm. 
So looking back over your life then, what are some moments that um, were very impactful for you and kind of made um, your faith or, or Jesus, the nearness of God, more tangible for you? Something that was more real than it had previously been? Yeah, there's been quite a few instances, actually. Um, so there was one a couple months after I became a Christian where I was feeling very especially alone. Hmm. Um, and I had just gone through a really tough period, kind of like we were talking about earlier with friends and um, family members where I just felt really isolated. Yeah. Um, and I asked the Lord if I could just feel his presence. Like I just, I was depending so tightly on him and he was really the only thing getting me through at that time. Um, and I just wanted to feel like he was close by. Um, and so it was almost like, I know that sometimes when I, nowadays I feel, um, I feel scared to ask the Lord for things, um, or I don't want to feel like demanding, but I had such a a childlike faith at the very start where I was like, I'm just going to ask. Um, and so I asked the Lord for, to feel his presence and, um, and I had this feeling that, um, I've never really experienced since either. Um, but it's almost like when you open the door from an air conditioned building and you walk out into the hot summer sun and you feel this just like intensely warm, comforting breeze, almost feels like a warm air blanket. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Um, air blanket. I, yeah. <laughs> um, I felt that except I was alone in my bed in my basement. And of course the temperature hadn't changed, but all of a sudden my whole body just got so, so warm. Hmm. Um, but it was such like a peaceful warmth. Um, and that lasted for like a couple minutes and, um, it wasn't just like a, oh, this is a somatic thing of my brain is deciding these things. Like I, I knew it was the presence of God. Hmm. Um, and he was really just trying to comfort me and remind me that I was not alone. Um, and that was a really, really powerful moment in re- recognizing that, um, that he is real and he does care and he's not just a distant figment of my imagination or, hmm. um, somebody who logically exists, but he is, um, real and present. He cares for his his children. Um, there's also another one that I've briefly mentioned to you before. Um, also around the same time I was, um, I was getting these awful dreams about, um, my mom. Of course I mentioned that she had passed away when I was 13. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was, um, she was really the only person that I felt loved by in my life. Um, we were really close and, um, my sister had, um, some undiagnosed mental illnesses and had been really struggling. And then I just didn't really trust anybody else. And so my mom was really the closest person I had. And I, I loved her so much. And, um, my whole childhood had been so paralyzed with fear that I was going to lose her. And then I did. Um, so it was really, really quite horrible. Um, and for years afterwards and, and into, um, the beginning of my faith, I kept having these recurring dreams where, um, like she would have died. Mm. Um, as she did in real life, but then it was like, oh, she was actually just on a trip in this dream and, um, she had come back or, um, she had to run away from my dad and she had come back and I got to live Mm. with her again, or it was just some weird, big misunderstanding and it didn't really happen and she was alive and we could live happily ever after again. Um, which was really enjoyable while I was asleep, but then of course you wake up and, um, grief hits you fresh again and, um, it was becoming pretty pretty immobilizing. Like the next full day, the grief would be, um, as if I had just lost her the day before again. Um, so it it became pretty tough to function. And 
in retrospect, I now recognize that it was more like spiritual warfare because I had like, you know, really started to dig into my faith. And Hmm. I think it was just becoming really, um, really tough to, to walk through every day. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pray about it. I know that the Lord can heal things. And, um, I know that the Bible says to just ask him. So I was praying, um, one night and I was like, you know what, Lord, I just, I don't think I can do these dreams anymore. Hmm. Can you please just take them away? Like, I, I know you can, but if it's in your will, can you just like get rid of them, please? Um, and he did, I didn't have a single dream for nine months ish. And that's bizarre because I usually dream like three or four times a night. Mm. Um, so it was just like radio silence. I, it was so bizarre. Um, but I had actually just like been able to work through those things, um, in such a new way. And, um, I was no longer plagued by, by nightmares or, um, or these recurring dreams, which was really powerful. Well, eventually I, um, began to feel like I could, you know, handle some things again. So I asked the Lord, I was like, you know what, if you want to give me back some dreams, go for it. Um, and he did. And I like, now I dream regularly, but it's very rarely that it's, um, that they're bad. And if they are, you know, of course I come to the Lord with it, but, Hmm. um, yeah, it really showed me in such a powerful way that he cares for like the seemingly little things. Um, and that he actually has power over every part of our lives. Like he can, like not in a creepy way, but he can control our brains as well, right? Yeah. Like he's he's capable of of doing big things, and hmm. um, yeah, we have to remember to not stop asking and not stop coming to him with um, things, no matter how small they seem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of uh, the verse in I believe it's in Psalms. I can't remember where, but it talks about the Lord ministering to to you in their sleep, or mm. a person in their sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading that for the first time. I was like, what? what does that even mean? <laughs> and then realizing the same thing, that mm-hmm. the Lord can work through your dreams. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other instances where like, the Lord has, has given you a dream or worked through you in, in that sleep while yeah. you were resting? Yeah, there was one instance um, probably about six months ago. Um, I had been praying for a really long time for... Um, for trying to discern what his will of my life was, whether I was, um, called into like a vocational ministry or if I am, um, like if I should go into counseling, Mm. um, or even if I'm like equipped to like preach the gospel to people, I know that's such a a basic thing and everybody is, but of course you have your insecurities and, um, I, was about to go um, visit my sister and she of course is not a believer. She's much like I was before I became a Christian. Um, and so I was just feeling really nervous and not sure if I was going to be able to represent Jesus well. Um, so I was praying through all these things and trying to understand like, okay, God, what have you asked me to do? Where have you called me? Am I prepared? What do I need to be doing? <laughs> um, hmm. And I had again, a normal night's sleep and, uh, I woke up for a little bit and then I fell back asleep Um, and I had, um, what I can only describe as a vision. Um, it was more vivid than real life, Hmm. um, which sounds bizarre, but it was, um, I know I was asleep, but I really didn't feel like it. Um, so I was in my bed and the vision of, was of me in my bed. (laughs) Um, and so I was asleep and then suddenly in the vision, I woke up, um, and, uh, when I experienced the Holy Spirit and his presence, um, the one time I had, I had the feeling of warmth, but I also, 
um, usually when I'm, you know, worshiping or I feel him close by, I have this like kind of tingling sensation throughout my body. I know a lot of people have a similar feeling. Um, it almost feels like a pins and needles kind of thing where like Mm -hmm. a, a, you know, shiver down your spine or something like that. Um, so I had the feeling of that, but to probably like a hundred times, a hundred times of that, um, like every single cell in my body could feel tingling. And immediately I knew without, you know, any change in sight or anything, I was like, oh, well, the Lord is about to speak to me. Um, Hmm. Because I could feel his presence so close by in such an insane way. Um, And then I started to like lift up out of my bed. Um, And it was almost like he was carrying me and lifting me up and showing me that he was going to like Hmm. raise me up. Um, And he started to speak to me and again I it wasn't in like discernible words at first it was just this really loud sound that enveloped the entire room um and it sounded at the time I couldn't quite describe it and I said it was like tv static but again in retrospect I've started to realize it was more like a really really loud river or like a waterfall Hmm. um which of course is described in in scripture as well Um, and as it was continuing, I started to hear a a few discernible words through the rushing river. Um, and it was, um, it was basically, I've equipped you for ministry. I love you. I'm with you. And it was just this overwhelming sense of peace. And it was like, it was of course terrifying because when you're like in the presence of God almighty, it is overwhelming and so intense. Um, but I knew that it was that he is good. And so it wasn't a a scary overwhelming. It was just a, wow, God is huge. Mm. And, um, yeah. And then he started to, um, slowly put me back down and I started to feel, um, kind of the tingling, um, start to go away. And then I woke up for real this time. Um, and I woke up my husband, Ethan. <laughs> I was like, Ethan, you will not believe what just happened to me. Um, and I just couldn't stop crying. Yeah. Um, and then a couple minutes later, um, I was I was just thinking, I was like, huh, am I sure that was from the Lord? Like, was that maybe just like a me dream? Was I maybe mm. just really wanting to hear that? Yeah. And then um, it was like the sneaky voice in the back of the head that the Lord sometimes uses as well. He's like, Natasha, could I have made it any more obvious? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I so just chuckled and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, that was probably one of the most, um, intense moments of the Lord speaking to me. Um, and it's been such an encouragement through, through the last year that he has really, um, he's equipped me for what he's bringing me to and that mm. I am not alone. Yeah. And so is that that's still your goal, the fruit of that dream? Is it still to continue to pursue counseling? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, I have felt a lot more peace about that ever since then. And I know that's strange because he said, I've equipped you for ministry. Mm. Um, but like I'm, I feel that the counseling that he's bringing me to is ministry. Mm. Um, and the times that I'm serving in the church is ministry and the times that I'm not in a church building, but I'm ministering to his people is also ministry. And, um, I don't have to question whether or not I have enough of what, like the gifts and what I need to be able to do those things because he has told me that he's with me and, um, and that it's not based on me and my strengths, but that, Hmm. um, he's promised to, to give me everything that I need. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, what kind of counseling do you want to get into? Ooh, good question. Yeah. Um, 
I actually don't know yet. I hmm. I know I want to work with individuals. Um, I I think I would like to work with um, people that have kind of walked through similar things that I have. I think that's kind of the draw of most people mm-hmm. um, is to help people with what they've dealt with. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if I will because I'm not sure if that'll be too challenging in the future. But um, I'm thinking probably um, people who have walked through grief or trauma or mm-hmm. um, situations like that. Yeah. That's cool. And so is that trauma therapy? Is that what it's called? Or yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what it'll look like yet because I still have lots of schooling to do, but mm-hmm. that's kind of my, my first inclination is that kind of group. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So how do you see that counseling playing out in like a, a more stereotypical ministry setting in the church? Um, I don't know if you want to have your own personal practice or your private practice, but uh, how would that counseling in your mind or perhaps in like a very selfish dream hmm. of yours tie into the local church setting? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've toyed with a couple variations of it um, and how that would look. Um, because as you know, I'm really passionate about pastoral ministry and, and mm-hmm. the local church as well. Um, and so I've wondered different ways that it can ethically work out because there's a whole whole schwack load of things if you're actually counseling in a church um with like confidentiality and and still being separate but also being a, you know a, a person within the church um it doesn't work out super well hmm. so you'd almost have to um be just like a have an office in the church and have just a discounted rate or you know, something worked out within the church, but not necessarily. I am on staff with the church. I am the counselor that all the congregants come to that isn't exactly within the ethical Mm -hmm. allowance. Um, So the way that I viewed it is regardless of where I am, um, whether it's um, in the church, outside the church, working with secular people or Christian people, um, it's a form of healing and it's a, a form of moving people from a place of brokenness to um, a place of healing. And I feel like that is a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not I get to preach the gospel in it, I am um, in a way like the Lord is working through me to bind up the brokenhearted and um, to show them his love and um, be a warm and empathetic presence where people usually don't have that in their lives. Mm. Um, so while it may not look like a um, a traditional form of ministry or pastoring or preaching the gospel, I, I do genuinely feel like it is a, um, it is a ministry. And um, outside of the counseling office, I'm able to do more of the traditional ministry as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. It sounds... Like your heart is very um, angled for redemption mm-hmm. um, and you want to see people be restored. And it mm-hmm. makes sense because so much of your story is you being redeemed. Mm-hmm. And all every Christian story is about being redeemed and restored. But mm-hmm. there's such like clear, physical, tangible things in your life from your family to the way you were raised and um, to who you are now and your mm-hmm. heart now for counseling and and giving people what they didn't or what you didn't have as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just so redemptive. And it's cool to see that you're mirroring what Christ has done in your life, in your own career, in your own pursuit of ministry and, and pastoral things. Um, I think kind of before we, before we wrap things up, what is one 
piece of advice you would have given to yourself as a new Christian? Hmm. I would say listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Um, there was a lot of times when I was a new Christian where like immediately after I became a Christian, I knew the right way to behave. Yeah. Um, and I knew, I knew what it entailed without necessarily having to be told. Hmm. Um, but as you walk a little further, I started to argue with myself about that. I started to argue with the Lord about that and kind hmm. of um, decide, oh, actually, maybe these things are fine. Maybe it doesn't really say in scripture that that's the case or, um, well, other people are doing it, so maybe it's fine or, um, you know, just trying to um, kind of weasel way, my way back into a sinful life. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a slow process of conviction to kind of move you to where um, the Lord has fully made you hate sin and made you like love his ways. Um, so I would, my encouragement for myself as an early Christian would be listen to what he has told you in the first place and hold fast to that because it's actually mm. the best way to live, not just because he says so, but because you will actually be so much more joyful and more fulfilled and whole as a result. Um, yeah. So I would just tell myself to not not try and trust myself and yeah. the way that I want to live, but um, trust his ways because he actually created us and he knows us so much better than we know ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, thank you for coming on the show today, Natasha. You're the show. welcome. <laughs> this little studio. <laughs> thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been an honor and I'm so glad to see the fruit of what the Lord has done in your life. And mm-hmm. I, I've known you um, only after you became a Christian and went and worked through some of these harder things. So it's cool to to see the fruit of the decisions you've made and the work that the Lord's done and now hear more about what that actually looked like. Um, and I'm glad that you were able to share that with everybody who will be listening. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's yeah. been a delight. Uh, of course, it's our honor. Um, and it is a delight to chat with you and hear your testimony. (laughs) So thank you for sharing what you've seen and heard. Um, and yeah, for all our listeners, thank you for listening or for tuning in. Um, we hope that this was encouraging for you.